thank you, can I say, to Eliza Burke, on behalf of all of us, to all of who you represent, Eliza, critical care nurses, you're from the Royal Melbourne Hospital, but my goodness, you guys just have looked after us so well in this last year and a bit. I'm so grateful that you've come in on Mother's Day to tell us about your work. Good morning, Eliza. Good morning. Good How morning. lovely to meet you here in this studio. Thank you for having me. Tell me, this last year, and particularly um, as a critical care mm. nurse at mm -hmm. the Royal Melbourne, working through COVID, mm. and as a mum, mm. how did you balance all of that? Oh, I don't think I really did, to be honest. Uh, so, I mean, as a critical care nurse, we were all prepared for, um, you know, this cataclysmic event that was going to happen, uh, and we're all well trained for that, and we're very well supported. We're in a fortunate position in um, our hospitals. Uh, so we all waited for this major event that really didn't happen. So we didn't see the volume of COVID patients, but the preparation for it was just enormous. So everything we did at work was completely different. Uh, we would turn up one day and you had to wear gloves and a mask and covered in PPE and then the entrance to the department was over there and then the next day the department was split into two and then every day it was different. Uh, but we were lucky in the end we just didn't see the huge volumes of COVID patients compared with the rest I mean, of the world. You know, look at India. Oh, my oh God. Oh, goodness. Yep. So uh, it was a massive change, but really the I think for me the <laughs> fallout was in the family life and home life. That was hard. Can you tell me about that? Uh, so I have two boys. Um, one has a dad that didn't work out with us, but we're very good friends. I have a donor-conceived child. Uh, that I had after my first. Oh, same debt or different? No, a donor. So, so anonymous a complete donor. anonymous donor. Mm, through a clinic. Um, and I live with my sister. I'm very lucky. I'm single. Um, she's also single and has a donor-conceived child as well. Not the same donor. Someone oh. asked me the other day. Uh, and that would have been interesting. That would have been very Jack Thompson in the oh, yeah. 80s because he lived with two sisters, you said. Not that I think oh, they both yes. had children, you but that's another that. story. Yes, yes. But that would be illegal, I think. Is it? Through a clinic, yep. Mm, yep. Interesting. Yeah. But you could just... Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> there are ways. There yep. are ways. <laughs> um, so I li we live together, which is good because then we can have a house rather than me living in an apartment and she in an apartment. So. Can I just stop you there? That's yep. a very innovative contemporary family <laughs> model. It is. You two sisters, yep. both of whom wanted to have children, yes. both of whom obviously reached an age where you yeah. thought, if I'm just choosing a partner to have children, that's kind of unfair on him, so I'll go it alone and do it myself with this extra child. Yes. And if love comes my way yep. later, yep. then it will be on these terms that I have children. So you've actually gone for the yeah. child. I, I didn't, we didn't really have choice. So, uh, I mean, we've just reached an age where we're facing never having children. Uh, so, but fortunate to have the option and the money for IVF. Uh, but it's no, it wasn't the fairy tale, met a, you know, wonderful partner. It's just, it was unfortunate. We just, I, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't meet someone and then say, listen, you know, I'm 36, my ovaries are shriveling, can we have a baby next week? Mm. Um, so uh, it did work out, and I consider my position to be uh, perfect. 
I've got everything that I want and need. And then if I meet someone now, then that's a bonus. Yes, and yeah. the person that you meet isn't wanted for his biological no. genetic stuff. He's no. there for love. Yes, yep. So it's a good position to be in. Mm. And I did check that you were heterosexual before I used the phenomenon of her he. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yep. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it's a good position to be in. And both, and also living with your sister, um, we get along very well. And we're both very domestic and both cook. So mm-hmm. it's a business. You know, we run the household. She works a lot. Uh, and it works well. And as a nurse, with essential, did that mean that you qualified in terms of essential services as a family so that your children oh. could go to school or? Well, it was supposed to, but, uh, we, you know, the primary school is just around the corner and I think COVID hit all these organisations and they were also at a loss as what to do. But I needed the kids to go to school like, because I needed to work. Uh, my father was dying uh, and the school said no. What The school said no? Well... Their argument was that because my sister, who works full-time, was at working from home, because she was the mother and was at home, then her daughter should stay there. And so there was no point sending my son without the other one. I needed the two school kids to go and the preschooler to go. to. Oh, it just They just said no. Whereas, And I think uh, they didn't take into account that uh, I don't know, that that because I didn't live with a husband, I don't know, but it was, yeah. It was fraught. Yeah. So in terms of your work, so firstly, can I just say, did your dad survive or did no, your dad died. die? He died. Yeah, yeah, and we did it at home because I didn't want him to die. You know, if he died in hospital at the time, you, you died with a nurse covered in a plastic bag with a, an iPad so you could see your family. So, yeah, we did it at home. Yeah. Uh, and so I would go and, and you know, help set up Dad for the day, shower him, get him ready. Uh, you know, Mum was worried that she'd catch something from me and, you know. Uh, but that worked out well in the end. I know he died, but we did it all at home with support. Uh, but then I would have to go to work and then the kids were just wild like they you know we couldn't do the homeschooling um so ollie's dad is very very helpful and wonderful and ollie's got a stepmom they are fantastic but really these kids just ran oh, they loved it <laughs> you know well why wouldn't you i know netflix no school freedom yep yeah yeah screens and for you at work mm. as a nurse was it ever scary yeah it was only once or twice i have to say i think we were very uh fortunate and i mean initially these patients the demographic of the patients changed quite a lot so at the start they were sort of wealthy people returning from new york (laughs) Mm -hmm. and not terribly unwell and then it hit the lower socioeconomic um, places but we didn't see masses of them and they were well isolated uh, and there were there was a, only once or twice I thought, oh my god, this is awful, but it didn't progress. So it was only one or two so shifts. You, you I were thought, just oh on tenter hooks, yeah, without it manifesting into disaster. Yeah. But then I, I upskilled to work in ICU to go and help out. I thought that was what I should do. <laughs> and, 
And then once I got to ICU and they closed those doors and I was with someone with COVID who wasn't intubated and coughing everywhere, I thought, what what was I thinking? (laughs) This is, yeah, I'm going to catch this. And, yeah. Eliza Burke is your guest this morning. A critical care nurse at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Eliza worked on behalf of you and me all through COVID doing that mothering thing. Yeah. That is... Everything. (laughs) Yeah. Caring for us, that's your choice of profession. And uh, and we're grateful. Speaking to you as a representative of the whole. Oh, thank you. We're really, really grateful. And I'm, uh, I'm a little bit overwhelmed, actually, by your story. But you know what? When people, I remember at the Royal Melbourne, there were a couple of infections oh. amongst the staff. Yeah. How did that affect morale? Uh, I think people just began to get scared, really, um, because we've always, you know, over the years there's been training for Ebola or chemical, radiological, biological, where you've got to learn how to don and doff the suits then, and then there was SARS, and then there, but then all, and you know, and then there's TB and even gastro. There was always a risk of catching something, but really you didn't. And but then, people did disappear, didn't they? Like if they'd oh, been in contact. And then, and then COVID, then all of a sudden one poor girl got it. We were all shocked. And then it then it was just a fallout because what if one person caught it, and we had a number of people in the department who caught it, they would knock off another 10 people who had to be furloughed. What does that mean? <laughs> I thought it was a made-up word. Uh, it means you essentially have to be removed immediately and quarantined from, from everyone uh, in your life, in a hotel, immediately. Did that happen? Yes. So uh, we didn't have a, a great deal of staff who caught it, but, uh, yeah, it did. So, for example, someone who worked in management caught COVID and uh, the entire management team were, were isolated for two weeks in the in the, the complete throng of COVID. And then yeah. it, you'd come to work and there'd usually be one person on the shift who's looking a bit pale and pasty and lost weight and they'd had COVID, um, to, you know, very... And then they just get lifted out of their family and thrown into a hotel room. Yeah, straight, which, and I was terrified of it because I haven't been apart from my children. So that, that scared me more. I would like to open up the phone lines. one three hundred triple two seven seven four. It's actually a thank you day. We were talking about this yesterday in terms of how do we approach Mother's Day in a macro sense, you know? Because mm. uh, I guess all of those of you mums who are being taken out, you're not even listening. But there's a whole bunch of us that are cared for by the infrastructure of this state. Mm. And if you have been cared for by a nurse, male or female, a doctor, male or female, paramedic, male or female, and you'd like to give us a story, a great story of care and support and um, love, Actually, nurture and love. I'm going to open up the phone lines. One three hundred, triple two seven seven four. I'd like to hear about your great experiences with people who care for you. Who do you want to thank? One three hundred, triple two seven seven four. Jump on the blower, and I'll take your calls after this. Ready on. 
Only natural, crowded house. Good morning. You're listening to ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria on this Sunday, the 9th of May. Your guest in the studio is Eliza Burke, critical care nurse at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. And this morning we've opened up the phone lines uh, for you to say thank you to someone who's cared for you, whether it be a nurse, whether it be someone who's not related to you, whether it be a, a paramedic, a doctor. Eliza, I do have a text that I need to share with you mm-hmm. uh, says, Libby, I love you. Thought I'd read that bit first. Oh, it's nice, funny. isn't yeah, it? Yeah. 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 I said that. Yeah, thank you. Oh, did you do that while we were just there? <laughs> it says, but nursing is not mothering. It's a profession, not a calling or a vocation, a profession that deserves proper pay. Steph in Brunswick. So I apologise if I... I didn't mean to make it a... Oh. Do you think I've... I haven't, no. No. I respect. No, there's nothing... There was no COVID um, requirements for mothering. Yeah. So, uh, no, uh, not at all. That is a general uh, generalisation that um, nurses are all women and very caring and it, or, or nuns. Ah! Yeah, neither is true. No. one three hundred triple two seven seven four. Give us a bell. 
I shall put your calls to air. It is 25 minutes past 10. Lily is 11 years old. You went to the playground. What was missing? A ramp for my best friend who has cerebral palsy couldn't get up on the playground. So I wrote to the council and I suggested that they would add a ramp. And what happened next time you went to the playground? They said that they were adding a ramp because some little girl had asked for it and it was me. How'd that feel? It felt very good because I feel like I've made a change. Ralph Epstein. Weekdays from 3.30 on ABC Radio Melbourne. Libby now. One three hundred triple two seven seven four. Happy Mother's Day, Lindy. He's in good care. Twenty-five minutes past ten o'clock. Eliza Burke from Royal Melbourne Hospital, critical care nurse, is with me, and you are with me as well. Good morning to you, Jill from East Gippsland. Oh, hello. It's East Brighton, but that's that's fine. East Brighton, I'm, I'm, my neck of the woods. Hello. <laughs> yeah, hello. Hello. <laughs> Lovely to speak with you. Um, yes, look, I think it's a great topic, and I'm just ringing in about my GP, who was also GP for a friend of mine who was dying of ovarian cancer, and in the final weeks of her life, um, my GP rang her at home a number of times, and my my girlfriend was feeling, I think, so low at that point, she didn't return the calls, and the next thing there was a ring on the doorbell my G, our, G, our gp was there with mm. a couple of frozen things of homemade soup oh. see she, she came in and sat and talked to my friend for a couple of hours which helped her enormously mm. uh which i yeah so that's that was just well above and beyond mm. and just if i can fit in another quick one um this same gp also diagnosed a rare brain tumour that my husband had and saved his life and all the specialists that, she, he, that he'd gone to had missed it and no one could believe that a GP could uh, diagnose this rare one. Uh, my husband had acromegaly, saved his life, saved his sight. Wow. So, yeah, pretty amazing stuff. Caring, actually taking the time to care. It's amazing, yes. Jill. Thank you very much for calling in. It's my pleasure. Eliza, yes. that, you must come across that all the time. You just put in that extra bit. Uh, yeah, I think it's a, a natural... I, I'm actually wondering if that GP was the one that looked after my dad because really? we're in the same area. <laughs> really? Yeah. Another amazing yeah. GP, obviously. Yeah, GPs are. You know, they look after the community and uh, that's part of it. You would develop a relationship with your uh, patient. So, and, and same with nursing and other areas of medicine. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, all part of it. Uh, we want to know how people are going and um, how, uh, yeah, their prognosis. And and it's not so much, is it a sense of responsibility or just a, spent, a sense of enmeshment in the in the prognos prognosis? Uh, it's both. So there's, a, there's always a clinical aspect. So you want to know physiologically how they're going, but you can't look after just physiology. It's a, it, You look after the whole person and that's what a good clinician does. Mm. So that's natural. That's natural. In a good clinician, mm. it should be natural. Belinda's in Gippsland. Morning, Belinda. Morning. Hello. Tell us your story. Hello. Oh, look, my story is from about nine years ago, but it's stuck with me. I was um, giving birth to our first child who sadly passed away, and I had this great midwife nurse, and my husband stepped out for a couple of hours, um, and she sat with me, and I said to her, oh, you don't have to stay here. It's all right, you know, because I was sort of not much was happening. And she said, no, you are my person for today. I, I won't leave you. Mm, that's the job. Yeah. 
so that's her job. She's a midwife. I think midwife means with woman. Uh, yeah. And whether you have a, a live baby or not, uh, that's part of midwifery and part of yeah. the role. And and although it would have been a horrible, very sad experience, uh, I think she would have gained some comfort in knowing that she's doing her job. And, yeah. And, and able, it's a privilege. To, and to I was able to see her oh, over a year and a bit later when we, I actually had mm. my next child. Oh. And she was there and she said that, you know, that, that day it stuck with her too. So, yeah. Absolutely. And it would have been her privilege to be with you and help you through that. And then to see you come back and have a live baby. That would be yeah, amazing. So yeah, yeah, it was great. Mm. You okay today, Belinda? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> How many live babies did you end up with? Uh, two. Pterodactyls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I hope you have a lovely day. Thank you. And you know what? Thanks for sharing the story. It means a lot to everybody. Mm. No worries. See ya. Bye. Tom? Yes, hello. Hello, Tom. I know your voice. Oh, you do, do you? I do. Tell us your story. <laughs> well, I was walking, uh, well, had a, had a, have a bit of an alcohol problem issue at the moment. And uh, I was walking with my dog a couple of weeks ago and I tried to go cold turkey. You did try? Yeah. And uh, it was Friday morning and I'm walking the dog and the next thing I know, I'm getting lifted into an ambulance. Mm. And the thing was, uh, it was Friday and there was the the trucks come and pick up the old wheelie bins and all that. And the ambulance had to come and uh, drive in the footpath. So, yeah, I I just wanted this. Uh, I ended up at the... um, St. Vincent's Hospital. Did you have a little blackout, Tom? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, a little one. Big, big one. one. Yeah. Are you going and Are you going better with, with giving it up? No, well, apparently I can't give it up. I've got to slow it down. Yeah. So I'm going back into rehab. Good boy. And, Good um, man. Yeah. But um, I was lucky enough that one of the people across the road knew where I lived and took the dog home um, while she was licking up my blood. But, um, yeah, I'd just like to say a big thank you to the Ambos and uh, to the doctors, the surgeon at the um, St. Vincent's Hospital. Tom, you need to look after yourself. Next time you call in, I want to hear that you're feeling more empowered to look after yourself, okay? I will indeed. I will indeed. But I just want to say thank you to everybody that helped me out. Yep. Registered. That means a lot, doesn't it, Eliza? It does, it does, uh, and your your presentation and complaint is very common. Uh, we call it a PFO. What's that? A piston fell over. Ah. Yeah, it's extremely common, and you don't have to be abstinent. All of a sudden, uh, you you are at risk of having seizures, and that's what GPs are for and clinics. So you're doing the right thing. Doing uh, the right thing, Tom. On the right track, track, go to head off to rehab. And, and talking yep. it through. Yeah, that's right. No point yep. being in, in denial about it. Yep. Do you feel like you're acknowledged as a profession enough in terms of thank yous, Eliza? Uh, I don't think that... So there's two separate things there. I don't there's think financial, we're, yeah. we're acknowledged enough in terms of, of pay. You know, teachers and nurses always will always make that complaint. But in terms of thank yous, yes. Yeah, all, people are so grateful and so thankful for your 
for your help and and surprised. So they come in and when they've had a kidney stone or a heart attack and they're, they're just surprised at how how grateful they are and how helpful you are. Um, but, yeah, I think it could be more acknowledged. Uh, it's an age-old complaint for nurses. Because, because it's caring. Yes, that's right. So, um, yeah, I guess there's... There's that, and there's so many of us, maybe, that just can't pay us a great deal more. <laughs> well, well, the agitation will continue. Yes. I'll just pop um, Angie up. Angela's in Wodonga. Hi, Angela. Good morning, ladies. Morning. morning. I uh, just wanted to share a story about my mother, who was 93 when she passed away, and her first meeting with an oncologist, he said to her, Bernadette, I just want to introduce you to the palliative care nurses. Mm. So her first, these nurses became her friends. So before she actually needed them, mm. they used to call into home every week just to see how she was going. And come the day that she needed to go to hospital, I had a palliative care nurse come to home and she laid on mum's bed with her for half an hour and they discussed what she wanted to do next and between them, they came up with a decision that she needed to go to hospital. And next thing you know, you get two paramedics, which were so caring, and they took her away, and she never came home again, but that's fine. But in between all that, she had a male nurse, and she was 93 when she passed, who showered her. And um, my mum has eight children, six mm -hmm. of those are boys. And I said, Mum, how do you feel about a boy showering you? She said, oh, it's just like having one of... She said, I just love them. So oh. what could have been a really bad experience was just amazing. So <sighs> she's not here today, but... Well, she that, is because you're chatting yeah. about her. <laughs> yeah. Aside to that, mm. I've got this amazing friend who called in to see me yesterday. I, I don't have children, but... I have a rescue cat. And she came in with this card from my cat, would you believe? Oh, that's so gorgeous. To thank me for giving her such a beautiful life. That's beautiful. And isn't that amazing? Yes, it's very thoughtful. And in fact, those are the kind of thank yous that we're encouraging today. Exactly. Love and relationships and meaning come in all sorts of different ways. And I'm so thrilled that your friend is so caring for you, Angela. And she gave me a punnet of hollyhocks to plant out, do oh. you believe? <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. So well, you're going to have a good day. I am. I'm going to go and play in the garden. Good. Good. Lovely to hear. Eliza, thank you for um, coming on the radio. I just wanted to read out a text message from Catherine just before I go. Mm -hmm. She says, um, I can't go to where, but please consider reading this out. And Catherine, I have. I've thought about it since you sent it. I'm going to read it. As a teen, I was assaulted. The care I received from the police restored my dignity and gave me strength to continue. Oh, that's good. And that's how it should be. Uh, we should be safe and we're very lucky to have uh, police and nurses and all the public infrastructure. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we look, look at India, look at other places at the moment. Uh, we're in a very privileged position mm. uh, and that's the way it should be. Eliza Burke, critical care nurse at the Royal Melbourne Hospital, thank you for spending part of your special day here with us. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for having me. This thank one you. is for Beverly. Yeah. <laughs>